Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. Here we are for another episode of the Mavens Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts who bring a light to the world. And I am here today with a wonderful Maven, Carolyn Wong. How are you, doll? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's lovely having the epithet Maven applied to me. So I really appreciate the invitation to join you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm coming to us from uh, Maven's Do It Better HQ over here. And uh, uh, I almost forgot where I was. Marina's already California. How about you? Where are you coming from today? I'm in Brisbane, California, not to be okay. confused with Brisbane, Australia. Oh, wow. And where is that? So people know if they're not familiar. Yeah, so Bay Area. We are just south of San Francisco. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. uh, you're a bit smoky right now. Are you? Are you it's not too bad where we are because we're up on uh, Humboldt Mountain. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it is smoky. I think the wildfires are kind of impacting everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, having lived up in uh, Sonoma County for a long time watching everything go on. I mean, it's like we're in the middle of the pandemic and the wildfires and everything else. It's like 2020, really? So yes, yeah. <laughs> pushing people over the edge for sure. I mean, I think the one thing people could count on is getting outdoors and actually going on hikes and, and doing that sort of thing. And it's, it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm keep, I keep trying to do that here as well. So we met through a couple of different mutual friends and then relooped from a couple of different friends. So let's give a shout out to Miss Priscilla uh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Priscilla and, and Tracy, yes. two of my favorite people on this planet. Um, yeah. And it's so nice to have these interconnections. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I know it was just, it was so one of those funny things. It's, you know, you, have, you go through your life and you like you meet people and then you meet other people's friends and then you figure out they're all friends with each other and everything. And so that's what's happening here folks uh, yeah. today is that we have a little bit of web wonderful web uh on that and will you tell everybody so you i think you kind of you're kind of fancy you're a head of communications can you talk about your job job yeah oh sure sure yeah so <laughs> I, I lead i do i lead communications at verily which is the healthcare and life sciences arm of alphabet so we're a sister company to google really focused on um healthcare and life sciences yeah that's amazing. So I would assume that with everything that's going on with COVID-19, there's been a lot of communication and a lot going on for you as of late. Yeah, my world got turned upside down back in March when Trump um, announced that we were building a website uh, to support COVID-19 testing. And we've been working uh, really hard with the California, starting with the California state government and then with a number of different private and public institutions to set up COVID-19 testing, both here in the state and around the country. And so now we have um, COVID-19 testing sites established in about 15 different states, and we've tested over 600,000 people. Um, and then following that program, we actually launched a Healthy at Work program. So we're now working with universities and companies to help them return their employees and students back to campus uh, in a safe and effective way. So it's been it's been very busy, um, but it's been very gratifying too. I think, to work directly on projects that are affecting people during this time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, wow. So what was it in an email? Like what like how did how did that go down? Did you see it out in the wild or did you? It was a, I was alerted to the fact that he was giving a press conference uh, in the moment okay. and, um, and so rushed to catch that, to understand um, his comments on our program and how they matched up. Right. So uh, it was, it, I've never experienced anything quite like that, as you can imagine, um, just being bombarded with requests from media and my colleagues and, and everyone in between. It was, uh, it was a really extraordinary kind of experience. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, we, we've made a lot of progress since then. I don't think Verily was quite so on the radar then as we are today. 
right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll definitely snap up people's like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And the and Barely's been around, I don't know, about five, six years, something like that. Oh, it's um, yeah, actually this month is our five year anniversary. Okay. Wow, congratulations. From being spun out from Google X. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, from Google X. That's so cool. So did you work you worked at Verily right after it started, right? I've been at Verily now for about four years. Okay. Um, prior to this, I was really on the agency side for most of my career. Ooh, fun! How was? Yeah. Did you like the agency side? What was this? What was the main switcher on that one? And tell everybody what that I, is. So. Okay, sure. Yeah, I worked. Um, I worked for two different communications firms. Uh, I was with um, the last firm that I was with was W2O Group, and I, I was with them for about 12 years. And the we, we supported communications and integrated marketing for a number of different healthcare and life sciences clients, primarily. Um, when I left, I was president of a uh, a small firm under their umbrella, which was focused on emerging brands. And what I really loved about working at the agency, and and I really grew up within an agency. I mean, I I spent the first 20 years of my career working um, on the agency side. And what I really loved about it was that it it allowed me to build my base, as they say. Uh, So get so much exposure just across the board, um, you know, in, in terms of communications and marketing and, and brand strategy and creative work. And then, um, working with so many different types of clients, I just got, I think, great exposure to, uh, to a broad number of situations that I might not have otherwise. Um, and I think that diversity was really, and and the constant ability to learn was what kept me super engaged. Yeah. Well, like, putting my marketing hat on as well. It, I worked for an agency for a hot minute. Um, I worked for the Garrigan Lyman group in Seattle for a little while. Um, that was super fun in between sort of Microsoft stints, uh, either as a consultant or a full-time employee. But yeah, I, I love the agency, just the creativity that you, that you got from, you know, get, it, it seems like to me, there's like always like a big table, you always got together and you're always thinking about stuff, <laughs> right? I, Exactly. I think working on a team that is, um, and I don't know, I I met so many creative people on the agency side and people who really enjoy working in collaborative environments like that um, and are generally good communicators. (laughs) Uh, Makes it a lot of fun. And is at Microsoft, um, do you, are you working with a large marketing and communications team there as well? Kind of like you were on the agency side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, the, um, I, I work in the power platform, uh, business group. So yeah. And so there's a whole, there's, you know, inbound outbound marketing, there's all kinds of marketing, and sales teams and all of that. And, and there's some agencies as well that are, that are in as vendors. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, uber creative people with lots and lots of, um, you know, go-to-market plans and all that kind of stuff that happened for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine you can really kind of, you know, spread your creative wings there too. Yeah, for sure. And I feel when I first started years ago um, on the SharePoint team, when it was like a blink, you know, or a twinkle in the eye, we did a lot of stuff that was really outside the box, you know, um, and for whatever reason, this, you know, Jeff Tieper, who was the head of it, kept saying yes to all these wild ideas because I come from the theater, right? Like I was a theater major. And so to me, agency life was very similar in that you need all of the parts moving together to create a great show, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you said that. I have another really good friend who's in marketing who also comes from a theater background. Mm-hmm. And for her, it's all about this ability to sell, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and I'm curious. <laughs> I find I, I find um, the correlation between college majors and sometimes that like preparation that we've done and where we land to be so yeah. interesting. Absolutely. Uh, have you met many other people that uh, have the theater background that are in these types of careers of sales and marketing and mm, yeah and even law um a lot of people who are theater majors I've got two friends who are lawyers um and lots of friends yeah in sales yeah and marketing for sure and 
communications, uh, if you will. I mean, I kind of still approach everything like I'm producing a play. It's the, the play, it's like you have all the parts, somebody's the producer who's the money, you got somebody who's the director, you got your actors, and a lot of times if that's an event, those are your speakers and all of that stuff. So yeah, we had a whole um, panel recently where we talked about uh, arts and what, if, if one, you were either an arts major or have a hobby as an artist and are also in technology. And so we mm-hmm. kind of talked about that recently, for sure. Yeah. What's yeah. your major? You were with biology, I think. You have a BS, don't you? I do, yes. <laughs> I majored in biology and minored in chemistry. I think if I could go back and do it again, maybe I would have done comparative literature or something really, <laughs> really fun. <laughs> no, I really, I enjoyed biology. Yeah. It's just, um, it's it's funny because when I started out, I I really... I, I always wanted to go into healthcare. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I thought I was going to be a physician. And yeah. um, I should have known the apple would never fall that far from the tree because both of my parents were essentially in communications. My dad was in corporate communications his entire career. Wow. So, of course, I come out of college with this, you know, fancy degree in biology and chemistry and then wind up doing communications. <laughs> wow. But I, I mean, I think that. Do you feel like what the biology and chem- I mean, that's all about how things are put together, right? At the end of the day, same, same. At the end of the day, absolutely. I think it gave me kind of the analytical skills um, that I needed and the ability to, you know, I think quickly synthesize information, the type of information that I'm now working so closely with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually, it was very helpful. Um, and in fact, I think a lot of scientists, um, you know, could be great communicators. Uh, they just need some of that skill building and it would be so supportive, I think of science yeah. in general, which we clearly really need right now, desperately as a nation. <laughs> I think uh, empowering our scientists with some communication skills would be would be very valuable right now. So uh, I, I love working with um, the scientists on my team uh, for commu- on communications. Yeah. So do you, so with, with what you are doing in healthcare, I know that, you know, Barely is definitely, you know, you're doing the marketing and, and strategy, but, but you're, you're working with sort of emerging technology, emerging, um, emerging, emerging, emerging brands, and also life sciences and all that stuff. So you're helping folks like find their way. Is that kind of the deal with Barely for the most part? Well, so at Verily, what we're really working to do is, um, we're trying to move the healthcare ecosystem, I would say, to a more value-based care environment. So more preventive care. And the way that we're doing that is by um, collecting, organizing, and activating healthcare information. So building tools to collect better data, uh, organizing it so that you know we can actually extract knowledge from that data. Right. Um, and then developing interventions and tools to support care got it and research um so we've got our we've got our hands on a lot of pots but it is connected around this idea of uh moving to more preventive value-based uh care yeah that's cool yeah have you are you probably have you heard of bestier university up in seattle have you heard it no no it's it's all um it's, it's sort of non-Western medicine, you know, based in the homeopathic and all of that stuff. Mm. And that was kind of fascinating to me because that sort of goes into that vein a little bit of more of the preventative care, right? You go there, kind of prevent to like get on the train before things go wrong a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think philosophically, that's totally aligned. Um, I think what Eastern medicine shares with maybe the direction that you see digital health and health 2.0, the so-called the health 2.0 space going in is this idea that we can empower people to take better care of themselves by giving them more information and knowledge about what's going on with their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and in our space, what that means is oftentimes we are giving them tools, maybe it's um, wearables or connected tools for their, for your smartphone, right. where um, you're able to see in real time or near real time, um, you know, 
how you're, you know, how you're progressing on something. So we have a product at Verily called on duo, which is a virtual diabetes clinic. And, um, we give people, um, some of the, the people who use on duo receive continuous glucose meters and on their phone, they can see how food and how exercise is impacting their glucose levels during the day and start to make decisions based on that information. Right. So this idea that we're instrumenting people, um, and then giving them the tools to actually in coaching oftentimes, um, to support behavioral activation and changes in behavior, um, I think is really, is really what it's about. I like that you said you're instrumenting people. That's cool. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yeah, we have things like we have an investigational study watch, um, which, you know, collects a lot of raw data. And and we have, um, you know, we've we've worked on instrumented uh, contact lenses, for example, that can help with accommodation. So if, you know, um, presbyopia, so if you have nearsightedness, the ability to kind of adjust your um, the lenses in real time. So, uh, yeah, working on a number of different um, devices in that area, as well as the software and the connected tools um, for for more integrated solutions. Right. And is that all that that Google stuff? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're lucky to have a number of um, folks with Google engineering experience because they are they are really the best of the best. And um, and so it's it's interesting though we bring together like the engineers the scientists the clinicians and i think it's the magic of kind of having these different perspectives all together that really lends itself to the work that we're doing oh yeah for sure that's super cool yeah. i um i had a fellow on the podcast at a couple of months ago his name is Jamie Edwards and um he is the ceo of a company called Cloudbreak Health and mm. they are a telehealth company so they have gone and created all of this, this an application and videos so people can, you know, call and call in. And it's also, um, they made it so that uh, many, many languages, so multilingual and also for ASL and all that. And really trying to tackle um, the telehealth scene, giving doctors and hospitals a way to potentially do that, which I thought this, and this was pre-COVID. And I was like, gosh, now that we're in the middle of this, where, you know, you don't really necessarily want to go to the hospital or Kaiser or whatever that's around, you know, and stand in line. And can you get taken care of, you know, over the internet in a better way, in a more connected way with, you know, with people? I think that's probably a big thing. And he holds this whole pink socks. I'll have to, I'll have to introduce you to him. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely know about the pink socks. Yeah. Well, telehealth, um, is one of those things where you can't believe it hasn't taken off until now. I mean, the healthcare industry has been so slow to change. And a lot of it is because of the kind of strange rules and regulations that we have in place. Um, And telehealth is one of those where it's been really challenging for a number of reasons, um, like the ability for a licensed practitioner to practice across state boundaries, for example. But what COVID-19 is doing is breaking down a lot of these barriers by necessity. Yep. And I think it's going to be really hard to go back to the way things were um, now that some of these things are just becoming so ingrained. I mean, hospitals and health systems are having to now build, you know, the infrastructure around um, some, of, some of these tools that we've just been waiting for, I think. And it, I think they're going to be embedded in such a way that it's going to be hopefully um, hopefully they'll really be here to stay. And, and so your friend is, he's, he's in a, he's in an area that I think is really going to take off. And there's been some recent news, I think that, that, that really confirms this too. I mean, Google cloud made a hundred million dollar investment in Amwell yesterday, um, which has a big telehealth solution. Um, and they're going to be working really closely together. So I think we're going to see, um, and you know, more of this and, you know, Lavongo, um, and Teladoc just did this uh, acquisition, this merger. Um, so it's 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 definitely here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> I was I just I saw an article in the New York Times today that was about talking about you know if if you live in a place and you're like, well, I'm because I'm going to go be with my in laws, or I'm going to go you know hang out with you know go work someplace else, and it was talking about tax implications. Mm. Uh, if you live somewhere, but then you go hang out somewhere for a while, there's certain states that it's like, whatever, they don't care. 
But then there's other states that are like, you need to pay us as well, right? So it's like COVID is like, like so do you get a pandemic, you know, like, <laughs> like relief on that one, you know, or, you know, or no yeah. to be with somebody to take care of them or whatever. And so it's like all of these things that are, I think, you know, technology is moving in a different way. Healthcare is moving in a different way. Even like our tax code of like, is that right? Is that fair? And why is, you know, can you do that sorts of things? Yeah. And those mergers you're talking about, there's big moves happening right now alongside of oh, so many people who are who have passed and are out of work and are, you know, all of the things right now. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot. Do you feel, do you feel it? I feel, I, I just feel like it's a lot every time. <laughs> I don't even know what to do today. Like I do. And then I don't, you know, for a I do. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. impacting. I think each of us in a myriad of ways, some of which are very acute and others, which we may not recognize until it's over and things start to go back to normal. Yeah. You know, my, my husband has been out of work now for the past few months. Mm. Um, the silver lining has been that he's been able to spend a lot of time with my son this summer in absence of any summer camps or, you know, any other outdoor really activities with other children. (laughs) Um, you know, and then I have, we have our in-laws to worry about as well, who are both octogenarians and, um, they quarantined with us for several months. We really needed to just make sure that they were healthy and safe. Um, so it's, it, it, it created huge changes, uh, in our, in our lives. Um, and I, I, I don't think things are going to get back to normal anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. And all, all of you at Verily working from home yet? Um, we have about 30% of our workforce, maybe a little bit more than that, that's actually back in the office because they're essential workers. They're working in our labs, okay. uh, either in our science or our hardware labs. Um, Verily is deemed an essential business, um, like in the biotech industry in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where are you from from originally? North Carolina. Oh. North Carolina. In fact, many um, Verily employees have this uh, North Carolina connection. It's really interesting. Um, Dr. Robert Califf, who is a former FDA commissioner, is um, on our leadership team. And uh, he has a long history with uh, Duke Clinical Research Institute and um Jessica Mega, who's our chief medical and scientific officer, also hails from North Carolina. Um, and Andy Conrad, actually, uh, who our CEO, um, helped to establish one of the biotech parks um, in in North Carolina, working with Duke. Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> wow, that's that's super cool. Yeah, I have good, where in, where exactly ish. So I was born in Charlotte. Ah, okay. yeah, got it. Okay. Where are you from? I'm from Michigan originally. I was born in Michigan, in over there, and uh, and then grew up in and around Indiana and Chicago before heading out west to Seattle to go to college. So my um, my stepdad was a lifetime executive with Daimler Chrysler. Oh. you know Chrysler at, at, at the time, and um, my parents lived in Shelby Township and in Utica. My brother went to school at U of M. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My family is also from Bay City and Alma and Lansing. So yeah, like yeah. yeah. And one one said my my grandpa worked at a cement factory, and then the other ones they all worked at the plants. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so that's so wild. I didn't realize that. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I love North Carolina too. I spent some time there myself. I have a good friend that lives in Lenore and Hickory. So oh yeah, oh I have a lot of family in Hickory actually. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's such a small you know, town. From Seattle, and I know it's so funny. We just- <laughs> there goes my dog. See, I told you it's it's thrilling. It's really thrilling. You never know what's going to happen in the time of COVID and working from home. <laughs> as far as podcasts go, I mean, I'm I'm in my office, you know, in the space. I'm like, you know what? A dog comes in, a cow, whatever, you know. And people are like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you know what? This is life. You know, we're not in some studio all. You know, we both put a little lipstick on. It's all good. But, you know. <laughs> Got to do it up a little bit. Uh, no, I love seeing my colleagues' kids actually uh, come in 
you know, when, once a class is over, they're on a break and they hop in on their parents' lap or it's just hanging over the chair behind them, kind of looking at the video camera. Yeah. It's very it's sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to know, so you've, you've been in communications for, a, you know, for a long time. And yeah. is there, like, aside from, you know, I think, you know, having the president all of a sudden, like, say something that you have to react to, like, that's ginormous, first of all. Like, that's kind of a big deal, <laughs> you know. Um, are there in... Maybe you can't talk companies or whatever, but is there something, another moment when you were like, holy cats, we got to rock this out, you know, something, <laughs> like that, you know, like, oh, you probably had a lot of them, I would imagine, but you know, like anything that stands out that you can actually talk about, not to, yeah, but, you know. well, um, it's funny, I, I don't know that I've ever experienced anything quite like this, but, uh, working with a number of companies, um, in the healthcare space or in the, in the biotech space specifically, um, I worked with a number of companies who, who were receiving, um, data from a, from a late stage clinical trial, where it really was going to determine the future of the drug. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or kind of waiting on pins and needles for uh, the FDA to return a um, an approval, for right. example, uh, for for a new therapy, and that was always really exciting. I mean, um, there and there are multiple occasions I can think about where um, I was pulled into a room and we were discussing positive you know, phase two B or phase three data, um, or, uh, or just kind of hanging out waiting and then getting that, you know, that FDA approval. Um, I've been on the other side of that too. I have plenty of scars, um, from, from negative study, from negative study results and, um, and, uh, non-approval letters from FDA as well. But, uh, those approvals, they, and they happen so rarely and you have so few opportunities like that, that when you have them, it's really something that you, you hold on to. Yeah. It's very exciting. Wow. That makes a ton of sense. I, that's, I wouldn't even think about that as, do you, do you feel like, I mean, I think the medical industry, sometimes it moves so fast and then it also is like so slow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm like, things happen like, and it's so fast. And then other times you're like, why haven't they figured this drug out yet or whatever, you know? I yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, the devices industry definitely moves, I think at a faster pace than the biotech and pharmaceutical industry. Um, and those regulatory pathways are, um, you know, can be can be different depending on the class of device. That's why digital health is such an exciting space to be in because, um, you know, software is a medical device and, uh, and and devices that help people like monitor their own health and and with their own care, um, and are very supportive of and can be very supportive of treatment regimens. Right. Right. Um, that is what's so exciting to me. Um, you know, we're we're involved in a number of studies where we're supporting kind of uh, basic research in areas like Parkinson's disease, where we're, where we're instrumenting um, patients with uh, like a study watch, for example, and looking for markers of disease progression and, and getting a better understanding of how um, therapies actually support a patient in their own home. Um, because this is data and information that we just didn't have before. Like healthcare was always happening in the four walls of a clinic, but that's really changed, right? Like physicians have access to more data than ever, um, and a better understanding of, um, their patient's disease and how, uh, a, a, a treatment regimen may or may not be working for them. So it's really exciting. Yeah. That's super cool. So anyone who is going into healthcare communications, uh, as a, you know, as a young person or looking at, you know, uh, a career in that or college or whatever, is there any, any advice you have for that person of like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like the outside the box stuff, it's like, it's like, okay, you mm-hmm. need a degree and all of that, but like, are there people that, to pay attention to or like books you should read or like, what's the, mm-hmm. what's the thing that's not, that people don't normally look for? I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, Wow. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking whether I or not, I have that like outside the box yeah. advice. I feel like my advice is so it's, it's so, um, 
typical, you know, it's, it's half, have conversations with as many people as you can. Communications is really all about building relationships at the end of the day. I think it's about putting yourself out there, networking. Um, in fact, that is the best way to get a job in communications, regardless of what your degree is, I think, is being extroverted. Well, not that you have to be an introvert or an extrovert, but definitely being out there networking, building those relationships, putting yourself um, in the position. Um, and then, and, and you know, I took an internship at, a, uh, at an agency I actually moved out to San Francisco and was working in the pharmaceutical industry. I was doing quality assurance at a pharmaceutical company. And I decided that it would be way more exciting to work for a tech agency and communications. It sounded creative. It seemed like it'd be really fun to, um, to connect and work with other communicators and with no background in the space and not a lot of connections. Um, I just, I, I just started applying and, and networking and, um, uh, and I think, you know, going in with, uh, a very flexible mindset and the desire to kind of learn as much as possible. Um, and just, uh, and in, and in communications in particular, like I said, I think, uh, working at a company like Microsoft or working at an agency can be so supportive of career development because you just get exposure to so many different areas. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's the thing. That's a cool thing about communications as well is that if you're if you're getting into that, but then you also like you you know the biology and chemistry and potentially wanting to be a physician, like being able to marry those and have that be you know what you do for communications, like that's awesome, right? So it's like yeah. maybe you know it could be whatever. If it's sports, you go into communication, or you know what I mean. Like you can have you can kind of figure out. Somebody said to me once. Well, I know exactly who said it to me. Nancy McSherry Jensen, who was one of my first bosses at Microsoft, she said, Heather, if you're a marketer, you can market software, a piece of luggage, a cup, this, that. She's like, but if you're truly a marketer, you can really kind of market anything. And I think with communications, that is true and that you then sort of pick a, you hone in on maybe an industry or a vertical or something. But for the most part, you can kind of do the communications part of it for everything. Do you think that's true? Or is that all? I do. You know, I looked at the first four or five years of my career in communications, almost like finishing school because yeah. I had a background in biology, but I didn't know the communication space. Right. And when I first started, I was doing high tech because I, you know, I was in San Francisco at the height of the boom. Yeah. So I was working with software startups, mm. completely different industry. Right. But once I had those basic skills um, and I was doing a lot of media relations, right? I mean, cold calling, it was yeah. really intensive and I loved it. And once I built that core skill set and built some of those relationships, moving back over um, to the biotech side and the healthcare side made a lot of sense and it was really enjoyable for me. And I, and I, and I have applied that philosophy you know, even today I've brought in people for my team that don't necessarily have the um, healthcare background, but they have the skills and the expertise and they can ramp up quickly in that area. So it's just a matter of, you know, you know, where you're starting from. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. There was a, a, a guy on my team, Chris Musical. Hey, Chris, who, uh, that he could, he was a journalism major. I'm not, I can't remember exactly where, so I'm not going to say because I don't want to make him mad. But he he was a journalism major and he was working for me at a tech company. And because it was a journalist mind and, and a communications, he could write about anything. Literally. He could go read a bit of something and then he could bang out an article. And I was, I was just like, that's awesome. And, and it got me yeah. in that line of thinking of like, yeah, you know what? If you have this this skill set for these things, right? You just have to apply them. It's all pattern recognition in some way, yeah. really, right? If you yeah. sort of look at it that way, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, all right, I can actually understand rocket science and <laughs> write a decent article about it. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I mean, all my rocket scientist friends are going to be like, really, Heather? Um, I don't think so, but <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I generally like what I'm generally looking for are analytical thinkers who are good communicators mm -hmm. um, yeah. and 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 spoken communication skills. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, the other thing that I'm looking for generally is resilience. Cause I do think in communications, there's a lot of ups and downs and, you know, in marketing as well, we, we really are kind of in a services industry, yep. you oh. know, um, mm-hmm. and we're not always, uh, we're not always, kind of carving our own path. <laughs> we, we have, a, we generally have a seat at the strategic, at the strategy table, but, um, you know, we're, we're not always the masters of our own fate, uh, within companies. So. And you don't always get compensated in the same way, right. As a sales team, you know, that's the right. thing about in the marketing and communications world, you know, you'll build a lot of strategy, you'll build a lot of this and a lot of that and have a seat at the table, but you don't always get a commission check, you know, which is an interesting thing. Some some companies do that and some don't, but I think it's definitely one of those things sometimes that I think when you get up to a certain level, that's a good thing to work out for, by the way. You know? Yeah. And you gotta think about what incentivizes and motivates people in general, right? Because that's an extrinsic motivator. Yeah. Um, and I think I don't know. I think most of my comms colleagues have all been really incentivized and driven by more intrinsic factors okay. in general, like working uh, for a mission that they really care deeply about. Um, it's not about the money. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and working in that, that team environment. And I think that's what motivates so many of us is just, is having those people that we respect and admire and they're on our team and we're working directly with them day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was talking to somebody earlier today about, you know, it's, it's about who's on your team, who you report to, who reports to you and all that stuff. But the thing is, is, you know the you know um Shepherd Ferry, the obey posters and the hope Obama Hope poster? And he yes. has it says Andre has a posse. It's Andre the Giant and he has a posse. I love Shepherd Ferry stuff. And I always <laughs> I was thinking I was like, I do too. You gotta put together your posse. You know? <laughs> like it's it's about the what's right here, but it's it's truly about building the community around you that are going for that same goal, right? So and most of the time it isn't about money it's about passion so yeah totally yeah that's exciting so you're so fun to talk it's like we haven't I haven't talked to you in a while and I'm like oh my gosh this is so yay I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I just feel like I'm catching up with a good girlfriend I know, I know. So, fun. <laughs> so um so oh so I know we're in the middle of you know our pandemic for you you have a you know you have a big job how do you balance you know what do you do for yourself to take you know to take a moment Oh, well, those first few months were really, really hard. And um, so I had to be extremely deliberate. Yeah. The things that I do, um, there's a couple, I guess there's a couple different uh, areas. One is um, socializing. So I have a standing happy hour with a few of my best girlfriends um, every Thursday evening. Nice. That, I look forward to. And then, um, on Saturday mornings, I do yoga with one of my really good friends who's in New York and one of our favorite yoga instructors, which just wasn't even possible before the pandemic. Um, so that has been like a real silver lining. And then, um, in terms of kind of a, a meditative activity that I can do in the evenings beyond that feels like an engaged activity, um, but also is relaxing for me is uh, embroidery. And that's oh. something that I did when I was in junior high and high school and then never did again until now. And wow. it's been incredibly um, gratifying to kind of end, you know, with an actual product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ending with something that's tangible. And at the end of this, I'm going to be like giving embroideries out to like all my friends and family. (laughs) That's been, that's been really helpful for me. What about you? What are you doing? Uh, I'm walking uh, a lot. Uh, My boyfriend and I are doing that, doing a lot of walks. Um, I'm, I, I move, I wanted to live in a place where I could see the sunset as much as possible. And so that is something I try and do almost every day. I like going to watch to go go see the sunset. Um, so that's very a moment of zen for me. Um, I like to write in the morning too. I, I have a journal, yeah. gratitude journal that I work on in the morning. Um, yeah, reading and reading something in the morning. My morning more having a morning ritual I think is important. I try really hard to stick to it, and I'm working on that exercise piece too. Something good for myself, but uh, yeah, having some boundaries about. That's the other thing. You can sit at a desk all day long 
with meetings and everything else and they can bleed into each other. So I've, I've been, I, I instituted no meeting Fridays from another friend. Um, like you can work, but just like, we, I need a day to like just work or catch up yeah. or whatever. And 20 minute meetings and 45 minute meetings and starting on the five or the 10 trying some of those things to kind of shake it up a little bit um just because i'm like i need water and i need to go to the bathroom for goodness sakes you know <laughs> so, just, definitely it's amazing how um these days of the pandemic it's people are just scheduling more and more and more meetings and i think it's because that interconnectedness is yeah. so important like we really do rely on that i think as a society to function like in our careers um, and so we have my team has actually also started blocking off entire afternoons on wednesdays and fridays so that we can do heads down work yeah. um, and not feel like we're beholden to whatever that next meeting is so yeah. and that's been really important and then creating that separation i think of of um your work day and your and then your home life yes. um that's been really challenging i know for a lot of people it sounds like you've figured out some really good um, mechanisms for that i'll have to learn from you Someday. <laughs> the transition moment too of you know not everybody has an office i'm lucky i have a door i can shut um which i didn't before because i used to live in a studio not too long yeah. ago but um, I'm in a two bedroom now, so I can shut the door and go out, but I still, I'm like, I need a minute, you know, like I need a little bit of transition time. And whether that's me playing on my phone or going to sit out on the balcony or what, you know, like, but it is like, it's sort of your commute time, right. That you would have. Yeah. Um, yes. so yeah. I'm so we're actually playing your day a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's what I of us, so many of us kind of, I read this really great HBR article actually the other day, I can send it to you afterwards. Oh, cool. And it talks about, I think, actually how, how many people probably relied on their commute time to, to, to subconsciously even kind of plan out their day. And when you lose that, you, you need to kind of establish that time for yourself again. Yeah, the decompression and all of that for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to ask you um, one more thing and then, and then I'm- my yeah last question so have you seen the netflix special um uh i think it's called unwell it's all about um all the sort of wellness it's like essential oils and breast milk and um ayahuasca and all of that and it's it's sort of like the it's the it's the other side of all of those industries and things if you haven't seen it with what you do you've got to see this I have not. I'm going to have to check it out. You're like the third person to recommend that to me. Um, <laughs> I'll put that in my queue. Yeah. <laughs> super I was just like, oh, it sounds really interesting. Yeah. 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 It's super good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. And I like, I went, it's like all of those things that like, I sort of have dabbled in in some way. I have never, I haven't done ayahuasca. <laughs> have you done ayahuasca? I have not. It's no question, I guess, maybe, right? <laughs> I'm like, is that different from Ash ashwagandha? I don't even know. Uh, no, uh, our good friend Tracy actually has turned me on to some of the the, yeah. the supplements, and and I guess it's a, a bioadaptive mm. herbal yeah. something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, no ayahuasca for me, not yet. Yeah. No, not me neither. Not at this point. So we'll see. But anyway, but yeah. So. But I, do love CBD, but I do love CBD. I will tell you, I, I do love CBD, mm -hmm. um, CBD cream and CBD oil. Uh, really love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My shoulder has an addiction to the Kush cream for sure. I, oh yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look that, I'll have to look that one up. Um, yeah, I have a couple here that I really love. Um, even for my hand, now that I'm doing so much embroidery, I think, mm. um, Having it for my hands has been really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It's so wonderful that the the product like that is so much more readily available. I mean, it's it's expensive, but you know, and everybody and their mother literally is making it right now. <laughs> right. It's an it is a total cottage industry. <laughs> absolutely. I don't know how many of those products are actually, you know, whatever. Even if it's placebo effect, I'll take it. I'm you know, I'm really whatever works. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've turned a few people on to that stuff where they're like, you, you don't believe and then it's like, okay, you just like kind of rub it on your arms and I'm like, okay, yeah. wait, you know, and they're like, oh, whatever. And they're like, oh, 
wow, this is great. I'm like, I know it's really great for pain. So it's yeah. really great. Yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I could talk to you forever. Um, but I will, I'm gonna I'm gonna round out our last question. How about that? Okay. All right, sounds good. Yep. So uh so I ask everyone, uh, because I'm interested in sparks and moments uh that happen in our lives. And if there is one that you wanted to you could share with our listeners um, a spark moment, person, place thing that really seats you uh, who you are in the moment of today. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it is such a good question. And I don't think I had an answer ready, even though I've listened to your podcast a few <laughs> times, I still didn't have an answer ready for this uh, until, until now. Um, I'll, I'll just go with this one. Uh, I think a book that really uh, had a huge lasting impact on me, uh, and it was probably the time of life when I read it too, was The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand when I was in high school. And in some ways, I do believe that it kind of changed the my trajectory in some ways, this idea that um, we really determine our fate. And... Um, and also this striving for uh, the striving for an ideal, even though I think that maybe the ideal portrayed in that book is 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 not realistic for most of us. Um, right. This idea of striving for something that's bigger than us um, and this and this bigger beauty and that it's something we can achieve on our own um, and our own power, I think was really, uh, compelling for me. And, uh, and I, and I do, I think it's kind of, uh, permeated my life probably in seen and unseen ways. Yeah. And it's a, that's a big old book, you know, <laughs> it is, it's a big old book that a lot of people have read and it's, it's wonderfully, I think, controversial and influencing and of its time, especially, you know, when that came out, I was just, I was, I was trying to remember and look it up. 1943 that came out. Yeah. Yeah. In the time when I read it, I mean, this is another spark probably, um, maybe a less positive one, but they, they go a little, they, they definitely go a little hand in hand for me because of the timing. I was in a really bad car accident when I was in, uh, when I was in high school and it made me question a lot of things. It made me question my faith. Um, and when I, and when I read that book, it just offered me a different source of inspiration um, that was really powerful. And I think I must have needed it at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of those things tie together for sure. I, yeah, yeah. I, I know, it's interesting. You go along and you're like, gosh, I wish I had read that or known that before. And then you're like, man, <laughs> I'm supposed to be where I am. You know, yeah. like you're kind of like, it, it's a journey and, you know, I'm keep turning the pages of these chapters and some I need to reread again, you know, because you miss the, the miss the message. But yeah, totally. It's amazing how you could probably I could probably reread that book now and get something very new and different out of it. And I've definitely felt that way about a, a few books in my life and kind of thinking about what you just said, too. I was so impatient, you know, in my in my 20s and even my 30s. And I feel like now it is it feels like life is really much more of a experience, an experience to really be enjoyed and savored where you just take you take what comes as it comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm finding that I also maybe I'm like and it's I, I feel like I tend to, I, I look at the podcast sometimes and I do, I do all the metric things of like, who's on and all of that. And people are like, what's the rhyme to reason to your picking guests and stuff? And I'm like, um, it's kind of people who are cool and, you know, and, and friends recommendations, you know, like yourself, um, or people I find interesting or are doing something neat, you know, and who I also, you know, I'd like, I may, I named a company Maven because I've, experts and that that if you if you're doing something long enough to become an expert at it whether it's self-proclaimed or not which is what the word actually means in Yiddish is you know I think I don't know like I feel like I'm these days I I just sort of take I like you were saying take things as they come a little bit more you know yeah um, I was watching some of the political stuff over the last bit you know and watching how, uh, how people speak and, and all of that, just fascinated by the whole thing. And, you know, just going, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I don't think people can handle some of the like, rah, 
you know? There's a lot happening right now and a lot of noise. And most of the time we just need to like, namaste, yeah. you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we need to filter yeah. what we're ingesting um, in terms of media. And I'm very careful about what I let in at this point and what I share with my friends and, and loved ones as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think we're all being bombarded with a crazy amount of, uh, of information. And a lot of it is not, it's, it's some of it can feel very bleak after a while. Yeah. I think it's important for us to really kind of um, maintain some sanitation and hygiene around that. Yeah. Which I think gives us a little bit of like, we need some hope in there, like sprinkle some hope on that sandwich, will you? Yes. Come on. Yes. I'm always trying to, you know, whenever I come across like an inspirational story or even something really funny, I share it with my team. I want to make sure that people are taking the time to like, you know, take a, you know, find that moment of Zen, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're a delight. So thank you so much. This is delightful, Heather. Thank you so much. And I really love that you're doing this podcast. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome to kind of shine a light on people who are doing really cool things. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your episodes. Yay. Well, thank you. And, and that's just you, my darling. So yes, <laughs> sure. And what you do is really cool. And just, you know, and happiness, friends of friends, you know, like I was like, yeah, that's such a good idea. And Tracy was like, you need to have her on. I was like, oh my God, you're totally right. So, <laughs> Tracy so thank you, Tracy. Yes. And Miss Priscilla for introducing us in the first place at that Absolutely. wild fun party. Anyway, we won't talk about that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. There's picture evidence somewhere. <laughs> I should yeah anyway we'll talk about that offline anyway thank Sounds you good. Carol. <laughs> thank you Heather you're welcome alright everybody that has been another episode of the Mavens Do a Better podcast and here is to another beautiful day on this big blue spinning sphere thanks everybody The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.